Hey guys, welcome along to episode 155 of Blind Guy Talks Tech for Thursday the 14th of July 2022. Coming up today, we're going to hear all about the company Optelec and we'll also find out what blind golf is and if it's any different to regular golf. You're listening to Blind Guy Talks Tech, your daily accessible tech podcast. Now, here's that blind guy himself, Stephen Scott. And I'm assisted today by my fellow blind guys. I've got Robin Christofferson out in the field, as it were. We uh, had him along with us at Site Village in Solihull, along with Sean Priest beside me. And uh, we got the chance to speak to some really interesting people. And over the... Uh, past episode and this one I just thought it'd be nice to give you some of those conversations in full because uh, we had some really nice chats with people uh, to find out about the companies what they do and one company that I think a lot of us tend to think about as a low vision company not as a company that is for people who are with no vision is Optilec because you think when I think Optilec I think magnification I think that kind of you know whether it be um, low vision aids or whether it be uh, you know even desktop magnification electronic magnification, you know, that's the kind of products I'm thinking of. But is that all they're about? Well, one of the guys, Mark Statham, came along to tell us all about it. Hi, my name is Mark Statham. I'm the managing director for Optelec here in the UK. Um, we're a company that specializes in assistive technology. There's two kind of main areas, um, electronic magnification and then text-to-speech. Um, and we also obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but we do combos where it's a, a magnifier and a text-to-speech device as well. So lots to talk about. And actually that third category I'm very interested in because I've seen growth in that area, it seems, over the last couple of years, where before it was pretty much one device or the other. You know, you would have a reading machine or a speech machine or, you know, whatever it was. One was visual, one was, was audible. Now they're bringing it together. I'm really keen to talk to you about that. So... Um, Maybe we start off by talking about the range a bit more. So what's the kind of latest and greatest? What's the latest thing you're, you're showcasing here and perhaps you're talking about more widely? Yeah, I would say probably the two um, newest products that are sort of most interest to most people. We have the Orcam Read, which is essentially a handheld device, pocket device, similar size to a dry, dry white marker. Mm -hmm. And all it does is text to speech. So you literally point it at any text take the picture, and then it instantly reads it back to you. It doesn't require internet or anything like that. It's a, it's a standalone device. And that's been interesting because, like you say, when they used to have the products separated, sort of electronic magnification and text-to-speech, it tended to be that text-to-speech would be sort of later on down sight loss sort of journey where somebody's eyesight's really bad and they've not got much residual vision. What we've found with the Orcam Read is when that's because it's so simple to use, when people are using just regular optical magnifiers, obviously the field of view that they've got is very small. And so logically, we would tend to sort of suggest, okay, try a electronic, magnif electronic magnifier. So you're gonna increase that field of view, but you're still really only increasing it by, yeah, a few centimeters. The thing that's interesting with your cam read is it will read whatever it sees. So it could be a broadsheet newspaper or more commonly probably like a full A4 page. So we've got people that are, are going from optical magnifiers straight through to text-to-speech because the other benefit, of course, is that you can carry it around with you. It's not something that needs to be in a, a fixed location. So that's the all- Super portable. Yeah, absolutely. You can carry it in your top pocket. Yep, absolutely. So it comes with like a lanyard. So yeah, as you said, you can just carry it around with you. 
So that's the Orcam Read. And then the latest product that we've got that we've released is called the Ruby 10. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is uh, it's a 10-inch electronic magnifier, but it's not just an electronic magnifier. As you've alluded to, it's also text-to-speech. So you've got a 10-inch screen. There's an arm that flips to the right, and that enables you to then scan a whole A4 piece of paper. Um, and you can either just take a picture of it and scroll around on, if you've got some residual vision, you could just use it in that way and magnify, pinch zoom and so on. Or you could have that text read back to you. And the thing that's kind of interesting with that is that not only does it, it, it the real limiting factor for somebody with um, low vision is that you have got a 10 inch screen, but that might not be enough for some people. Um, but what it will do is it will wirelessly transmit that to a smart TV. So if you've got a 50 inch screen, whatever is shown on that 10 inch screen is then put onto the smart TV wirelessly. So you've essentially got a full blown CCTV in essentially a portable product. That's amazing. Uh, it blows my mind. I remember the first CCTV I got um, when I started losing my vision. It was huge. It was yep. in a trolley, virtually. <laughs> it's like a shopping cart full. It's, it's amazing how much it's changed. Now, uh, saying that, I'm, I'm sure this is something you've heard a million times before, but why would someone go for a specialized piece of kit like this over, say, you know, a, a tablet, a 10-inch tablet using the various magnifying software? Um, are you finding it harder to, to make a, a case for selling a specialized kit like this? Or is it the, the performance is such a, a massive difference between the two? I think what it's done is it's almost like iPads and tablets and things have acted as like an enabler. So we have a lot of our customers, most of our customers will have some form of iPad or tablet. But the thing that's interesting um, is because it's it, it has a built-in stand, so it can hold it at a comfortable reading angle at like 45 degrees, whereas with a tablet, yeah, likely is the case that you're probably going to have to hold it and sort of hover it. But also, interestingly, when you put the two side by side, there's a massive difference between the quality image that you get on a dedicated machine, say, versus an iPad. And it seems like an alien concept because obviously Apple and Samsung and so on, they're always creating, producing these tablets that have these fantastic... Um, high megapixel cameras, cameras yeah. but because they're not optimized for um, sort of low vision and for being used in this way, it's not always, yeah, it's not, there's quite a bit of a difference between them. But as a company, we sort of tend to say to people, if you've already got an iPad and you're happy using an app, continue using that until you maybe reach its limits and you might want more features or, yeah, you want something that's going to be a little bit clearer. So it's it's not, I think, like I say, it's almost been a bit of an enabler because especially during the pandemic, I think more and more people, especially the elderly, that maybe never touched technology before, they're becoming more familiar with it. So yeah. that particular product, it does have tactile buttons, but it's also touchscreen. And I've noticed the difference from pre-pandemic that when you were talking to sort of seniors that... It, it would, yeah, although they might be familiar with touch screens through, I don't know, tills or whatever at the supermarket, it, yeah, it seemed like a step too far. But I think now people's minds being opened a bit more to how technology can help them. 
Um, yeah, they seem a bit more sort of up for trying these things. But what I would say to anybody is, um, yeah, certainly continue trying to use your tablet if you can. But for us, yeah, I mean, the difference is kind of night and day when you see them face to face. And I think coming to things like Site Village makes a massive difference because mm. people can bring their own devices and they can yeah, do those comparisons. But it's interesting you say that about how the, the <coughs> tablets and iPhones or whatever can be an enabler. It can also work the other way around, right? So someone who starts using a device like one of the Ruby devices or any, frankly, any touchscreen-based device like this, they will then understand how that technology works so that, in theory, they could then go on and learn how to use an iPhone because more often than not, I guess the people who buy these products are people who aren't particularly keen on using iPhones or tablets. Yeah. Not not exclusively. Yeah, yeah. But there are a lot of people, frankly, who no, I don't want to know about that stuff. That's not for me. That's way too far out of my comfort zone. I'd much rather maybe have my synaptic phone yeah. to do my own stuff. That I'm comfortable with. I can use this. And then they learn, actually, this isn't as difficult as I thought. And it means when they pick up an iPhone or an Android later in life, they realize, actually, this wasn't as bad as I thought. So it can actually, in a way, help people learn about how to, to use this stuff. Absolutely. But there is still a, a market, clearly, for this kind of specialist technology. It's not going away, is it? No, absolutely. And I think you made a good point there because... That's the thing, the, a clear difference between sort of what we offer um, and what's available on the sort of mainstream technology. We don't have things like email and surfing the web and mm. stuff like that. We're really focusing on um, sort of, yeah, people that want to live independently, that just want to be able to turn on a device and just start reading immediately. And like you said, yeah, it, I'm, I'm sure that that does happen where people, yeah, they probably, I mean, even when they get into the menus of some of our items, I think the fact that people can get the head around things like Bluetooth and so on, and we've had, in fact, I've had that before where we've demonstrated the product and then somebody's not sure what I mean when I say Bluetooth, so I explain, oh, it's wireless, and then you notice they've got an iPad, and I'll say, oh, it's similar to your iPad, and you have to explain to them, oh, I didn't realize that they were struggling to hear the music or whatever through the iPad, whereas, yeah, if they got a Bluetooth speaker, they would be able to use it that way and for voiceover and all this kind of jazz. So, yeah, no, I think it works, yeah, it works both ways. I think that's the problem, isn't it? We, we, we know this stuff, right? So we mm. talk about it all the time. We talk about all these different names. People hear Bluetooth, they think they should go to the dentist. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, should I speak to somebody? You know, is it a problem? You know, do I need dentures? And that's, that's a, that is the reality for a lot of people. They don't yep. know this stuff. Yep. And, you know, that's why we, we're, we're trying to educate people. And we don't, we don't have any kind of thoughts process here about who listens to our show and you know it's not a case of oh well you know everybody's an expert because that's not the case yep we're not experts no nope. we don't pretend to be he certainly isn't no <laughs> i it's admit nothing. it's true <laughs> <laughs> but but it is important that we bring people with us and, and i would say there's even an argument and i'm interested in your take on this even for the people who are interested in all the latest and greatest and do use an iphone do use an android are you know up on using a screen reader on a pc they're buying these too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would say of the people that we visit, I would imagine probably 85% of the people have got existing technology. But also, you know... 85%? Yeah, I would wow. say, yeah, it's huge because we see Alexas everywhere. We see iPads and iPhones. And what we tend to find is a lot of the people, they'll know how to make calls, do text messages, uh, email, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, they're not maybe using... And we see it quite a bit, even we've seen it today, where people are using our products to magnify their iPhone or their iPad 
So we kind of have to educate them that there are accessibility features in there. You don't need to do it. But it's interesting because that is, it tends to be the older population. They're like, oh, I'm really struggling to read my iPhone. Will it do that? It's like, well, yeah, it, it will. But to be honest, you'd probably get a better experience if you just went into your accessibility features. And yeah, we kind of go in there and show them. Um, yeah. and That's it's really interesting. Yeah. But it just shows the difficulty of, of discoverability, doesn't it? And that's, oh, yeah. That's the thing. You never know what, what people already know. And how do you reach those people? It's something we've talked about many times about our podcast. And they're itself. more they're more techy than they think. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. It's just being shown what what features are, are there and what's out there. I have met so many people in my life who tell me they know nothing about tech, and then they tell me that they use Windows, they run NVDA as a screen reader. Yeah. They have an iPhone or they Sky have Sky TV. They have Sky <laughs> TV. They have you know the latest this or the latest that. Well, you're into tech, yeah. Because that's what tech is. It's not some kind of other world. Yeah. It's not geekery. I yep. mean, yes, that's another level of it, but that's not where most well, people that's, are. That's the world we grew up in, though, wasn't it? We where grew tech up in it. was yeah. that that nerdy, exactly. hacky sort of thing, and beyond us. And and now it's just mainstream, you know. So, yeah, but people still have that view of it. So you do. So you mentioned Ruby, you mentioned Orcam. What else have you got in your range? So predominantly, we go right from sort of pocket-sized electronic magnifiers. So we do uh, sort of four and a half inch, five inch products that fit in your pocket. They're electronic magnifiers through to full desktop CCTVs. Um, so we talked earlier about how t CCTVs used to be so big. Yep. And that's the thing that's kind of interesting now. Um, with products like the Ruby, we also do the Compact 10, which is the same as the Ruby 10, but it doesn't have the tactile buttons. Um, and what we'll find is people will say, well, yeah, I want that kind of product because I don't want to have a big machine. But interestingly, the footprint now of the desktop units is about the same. And the benefits of that, of course, are if you do need a higher level of magnification, you've got that with a larger screen, but also you have features like the XY table. So you receive your post, you can just put it underneath the camera um, and then it's magnified onto the screen that's in front of you. And in a, I would say it's probably more comfortable to read that way as opposed to, yeah, maybe you've got one of our pocket magnifiers where you're trying to read a letter. You really, you're having to move it like you would a magnifying glass. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just better when you've got that whole view. But the footprint, like, well, obviously everybody kind of knows now, you, we don't have the big CRT um, screens. They're all flat panels, so they're really small. Um, but yeah, we've got, so the pocket stuff, we go all the way to the desktops. And then when we're talking about text-to-speech, we also do a desktop unit for a text-to-speech. And I always struggle to try and describe to people how big it is, but I would imagine the best way to describe it or how I found is if you sort of say it's almost like a small shoebox kind of thing that just sort of sits that kind of size, not shape, but that size that you just put onto your desk. And the massive benefit of having a desktop uh, text-to-speech is it doesn't matter which way around the text is, so you don't need to figure that out. You literally mm. open your post, bang it underneath, press the button, and then it reads that back to you. Um, and you can do things like speed up the voice, slow the voice down, obviously, change it if you want a male or female. Um, so it just depends. And because, so obviously I introduced myself as uh, working for Optolet, which is true, but we also have, um, we manufacture Freedom Scientific products and also enhanced vision products as well. So we've got a huge range. And sometimes, especially at events like this, when people come to us and they see the catalog, it's, I don't know what it is, 50 pages or something, it can be a bit overwhelming. But one of the things that I introduced when I joined the company was um, a theme of a problem solved. 
So we talk to customers rather than talk to them about Bluetooth, HDMI, high definition, all this kind of rubbish. We just focus on what problem is it that you're trying to solve. And the reason I mention that is because that's the reason why we've got such a, a large range of products. I mean, we, we had an experience a couple of weeks ago where a chap wanted to, uh, he was building model boats and he wanted to paint them. So he wanted to be able to see that. Well, we have a product that basically is like a camera on an arm, like a long arm, and you can position it exactly where you want and then position the screen independently exactly where you want it to be. So it was a solution for him. Because um, I think originally he was talking about a portable product, but of course you've then got to have a steady hand, you're holding it, yes. and then you've got to try and paint with the other hand. So there's a real, I mean, all I would say to people is if anybody yeah, has sight loss, and they're wanting to regain independence through things like hobbies or just independent living, there's a solution for everybody at, at all kind of levels. Well, that's the key. There's a solution to everybody, but the challenge is often get the knowledge of the product. So for that, they need to speak to you. So do you advise that, that people contact you and do you then visit them? How does, how does it work? How do you deal with that? Yeah, so basically the way that we're structured, we've got people dotted on the road sort of across the UK. So we cover the whole of the UK, right from the Highlands all the way down to Cornwall. Um, and people can just, they can have, a, I'll give you the website in a minute, but people can go on the website, have a look at the products. There's obviously videos and things on there. It's fully accessible. Um, or if they want to, they can just give us a call on a free telephone number um, and then we can have a chat. And what we'll do is they'll contact us and say they're in, I don't know, Blackpool as an example. Um, we would put them in, in touch with the person that covers that area. They'll then have a chat with them to try and find out what problem we're trying to solve. And then, yeah, we'll basically find the solution for them. But you're right, it's a real... I don't think this is the sort of thing where you can just go onto a web website and buy. I mean, we, we've experienced it a bit during the pandemic, which we'd never really experienced before, where people are literally going on and buying mm. um, what I would say is quite expensive equipment. Uh, and we will go out and see them. But obviously, during the pandemic, we couldn't. Now we can. Yeah, we'll just come out and everything comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and we offer full lifetime support for the product. So if somebody buys it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so sometimes, like we talked there about text-to-speech in a, a digital magnifier. So it might be that they buy it with the, the text-to-speech, but they don't want to bother themselves with it yet. That comes kind of later, say a year later or, or whatever it might be. And all we'll do is we'll go back out and then we'll just run through it with them. Obviously at no charge, they can just understand exactly what it is that, they, that they're trying to do. That's yeah. brilliant. That is good. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, that's it. It's a follow-up support as well, because you're dealing with so many issues here. This isn't just a product sale, is it? I mean, you, you, you're dealing with people's mental health. Absolutely. You're dealing with where they are. Yep. They're, they're not buying this because they've just fallen in love with electronic magnification. Yep. Yes. They're buying That's it because right. their site's going, and they have to process all of that. Yep. And, and the relationship with you is, is a big part of that, because that shows what they can do they can be enabled to do absolutely really interesting to have you on and i'd love to have you back to talk more about these products down the line brilliant now i look forward to that that'd be good thanks mark brilliant thank you thank you take care great to hear from mark and uh, we'll be hearing lots more from him in the next few weeks because we're uh, going to check in more regularly with these guys and uh, find out what products they are working on and also to you know have a look at the hits as well you know look at some of the back catalogue of products that they've got because there's so many products and you may not be aware of them.
And, you know, it's interesting. I know a lot of you out there may be totally blind and think, well, what's this relevant? To, how's this relevant to me? But do you know what? Just having the information can be handy when you're in a conversation with someone else, right? And, uh, you know, like Mark says, it's not a company that is just about low vision. So really, really interesting. Uh, Roy, let's turn our attention to golf. I have uh, tried golf once in my life. I've relayed the story to you guys already about the the time I uh, hit a ball and it went straight through a BMW window. I only know this, that it was a BMW, because I was told for about, I don't know, about half an hour after the blind golf event, you, 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 you smashed the front window of a BMW. I was like, no, because you've only told me a thousand times. I would never have known. But yes, it was a BMW that I uh, smashed the window of. And uh, <laughs> that was the first and last time I ever did golf. But my question, I guess, is what's the difference between blind golf and regular golf. Is there a difference? Well, Robin Christofferson went along to the blind golf stand at Site Village in Solihull to find out. I am here with Ron. What's your second name, Ron? Tomlinson. Tomlinson. And you are the founder? Of England, England Wild Blind Golf, yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, we're at your stall here. What have you got on offer at Site Village this year? Right, well, what we're doing, we're showing what we, uh, what we can do. We've got a professional who will show people, put their hands on the clubs, make sure they've got the swing correctly. We've got loads of leaflets which show people how they can join and how they can help. Volunteers, we need spotters, uh, markers. So we've got loads of leaflets people can take away and decide what they want to do. Fantastic. So... How does it work across the country? Are there places or, or, um, that, that people would need to go to? Or can you get one set up at your local course if you can source a volunteer? How does it work? No, unfortunately, you can't do that. You need to come to us. We can then help from then on. Yep. Um, clubs are into blind golf, but not all of them. So if you've got a club, come to us. We'll help. We'll speak to them. Or you can speak to them yourself. We've never found anybody turn a blind goal for a way. Um, so come to us and uh, we'll help you out. Okay, so I'm sure the listeners are going to be intrigued as to how it works because I've, you know, I've got no vision at all. I have tried playing golf in the past and you're swinging at, at you know, clean air, basically, and the ball stays where it is. So how does it work? I, I suppose you could look at it like that. You, you know, you know you're not. You know there's a ball in front <laughs> of you. Um, it's, uh, you've got to do it consistently you, you practice I mean you can't get away from practice if you're not prepared to practice you will not get a good swing and you won't enjoy it you need to practice I mean to be fair I would imagine most people would literally miss the ball on their first half a dozen shots and that that wouldn't be anything uh, special but then you practice and you practice and eventually you'll find that you hit the ball then you hit it better, you hit it further, and you hit it straighter. It's so are there any tips or techniques? I mean, do sighted golfers actually look down at the ball when they're swinging anyway? They, they do, um, but you can still keep your head still so that you will be actually looking at the ball, although you can't see it. Right. Um, that's the key to it, keep your head still and then just follow the swing through. So we're not talking any technology, any bleeping balls or holes or anything? <laughs> How many times have I been asked if I've got bleeping balls? Uh, the answer is no, and we don't have whistles and bells in them either. Um, it's a standard ball, it's standard equipment, and most people may not realise it's standard rules as well. 
Now, I know a lot of blind sports, they have to adapt the rules. Um, cricket, and you know, I know there's a lot of cricket fans, the rules differ from B1, B2 and B3. And that is the difference in, well, you would know as a blind person, difference in sight categories. Yeah. You're either B1 total, B2 you can see a bit, B3 you can see a bit more. And in cricket, I know they change the rules, the amount of bounces and so on. Golf is as per the RNA rules. Yeah, I mean, I can see it lending itself. If you can feel where the ball is, get in, you know, enough practicing of, of hitting that thing by positioning yourself and being careful, you know, with the swing, that it would be um, a really viable sport. So, yeah, it sounds really, really good. It's actually a marvellous sport because you know you could go out there with your handicap and bear in mind everything is now a world handicap system so everybody will be treated exactly the same you could go out and play anybody because the handicap system will level everything off to your ability and their ability it brings a whole new meaning to handicap that's good um so as far you'll need a pair of eyes with you of course to locate the ball and to tell you where the hole is etc Absolutely. Blind golf is a team game. Yeah. You, you have your own caddy. But then let's be honest about it. Most professionals have a caddy. Don't operate exactly the same. But blind golf is a team game. You have a caddy and yourself. And between you two, you need to get that ball down the fairway and into the hole. I'm tempted. <laughs> oh, do so. Please, please have a go. The pro there will it'll show you how to do it. Have you ever played? Yes. Right, so, you, so you know how to put your hands on the club. Yeah. Honestly, uh, Robbie, please try. Ask uh, Mark over there and, um, and, and have a go. Brilliant. Ron, thank you so much. Best of luck with the uh, exhibiting this year. Hope you have loads of interest and uh, keep up the excellent work. Thanks very much. Thanks to Robin. Did he answer the question? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to... What he's said, from what I've heard from Ron there, I'm getting the impression that it is just like regular golf, but with, you know, someone with you, which is, um, sounds okay. Would Ira work in the golf course? Could you get Ira to uh, to help you with that? That'd be kind of cool, right? That'd be kind of cool. Maybe she could even help you drive the golf cart. <gasps> that would be so cool. I'd like that. Anyway, stick around. More to come on the next episode. Of course, our Saturday edition is back as well. If you've got something you want to say to us on the show, then email in hello at blindguytalkstech.com or drop us a voicemail or leave us a voicemail, I guess, 0204-571-3354. And don't forget, we're back again with another podcast in minutes, days, depending how you listen to this. If you want even more Blind Guy in your life, visit blindguytalkstech.com for previous episodes. Find us on your podcast apps or ask Lady A or Lady G to play Blind Guy Talks Tech Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.